Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program is moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. I almost said YouTube Live because it's in the morning and I can barely talk. Uh, This cold is kicking my butt, Parker. It's kicking my butt. But here we are. We're going to podcast for you guys because we're here for Sooner Nation. And we're here to talk some Oklahoma football. Hurt, not Um, injured, right, Brandon? Yep, that's right. That's right. I got my coffee. I got all this liquid over here, man. I'm good to go. If you see me pause, you see me like bell out with a screen or something, it's because I'm probably hacking a lung up. So, um, yeah, this is uh, one of those days where, and I got to travel, man. I'm going to see Caden McDonald uh, leaving today, this afternoon, get there tonight, going by a couple schools tomorrow, and then his game tomorrow night. So, uh, we will have a lot of that information on OU Insider VIP, as Parker will also be out and about uh, this week. Where are you headed? I think way. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna stop over in Kansas City tomorrow night and go watch either Caden Green or PJ Atabare. Uh, making that okay. drive to Ames sucks. Yeah. It's yeah, not a fun drive to anywhere in Iowa, but Kansas State is a pretty natural stopover point. So. Uh, probably hit that area I, I would imagine i'll probably go see caden as well as williams winery and isaiah mosey of course all three of them will be in action lee's summit north against lee's summit in a playoff match tomorrow evening out of lee summit north so they're both playing each other is that what you're saying yeah lee's summit is playing lee's summit north okay nice um do you ever go up through Omaha? Like to because I know Omaha is right on the border of which I I knew that, but like until you're there. So we were driving, my wife and I were driving. My I took Caden up there with us to the Nebraska game. We were driving with like, let's go to the sports bar. It says it's in like 
seven miles from downtown Omaha. And next thing you know, it's like, welcome to Iowa. And I was like, wait, what's going on? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, do you ever go like, do you, would you go up through Omaha to Des Moines? Cause how far is Des Moines? How far is Ames from Omaha? Ames is about a two and a half hour drive. And so if you were, cause Ames is out there in central Iowa. And so if you were going to go to Ames from Norman and you were going the most directional, the most, you know, uh, what, what do they call as the crow flies? There you go. If you were making that drive as the crow flies, you go through Kansas city, you don't go through Omaha. So I'll probably go back to Omaha Saturday, Sunday, but, uh, I gotcha. No, not gonna, not gonna pass through on the way there. I gotcha. Well, Ames, Iowa has a population of 66,000. I think it's like 45 minutes North of Des Moines. Is that right? I, I I've only been there yeah. twice in my life. So <laughs> I know I just remember driving up with Joey a couple, it was 2018 last time we were there four years ago. Cause remember in 2020, they canceled it. So yeah, well, they didn't have any fans. Yeah. No fans so, in attendance, very minimal media. Um, yeah, I have not been, I've not covered a game at Iowa state. Oh, that's right. They didn't cancel. They lost. I, I didn't go. Cause only one person could go and Joey went. That's right. Yep. Yep. That's right. So I love I've, Joey I've, I've been to that campus. It's been probably a decade or so have never covered a game there. So we'll see about it. Oh, okay. So you're going to love the, the post game. I know this is like really off the cuff people, but the post game presser, you're going to be in like this crammed weight room inside their thing. Like you will literally be crammed. Like, so you remember how we were for Nebraska? Yes. How crammed that was. Well, and somehow Nebraska was better than Kansas state. Certainly better than Kansas. Kansas Uh, state is exactly. That's a perfect analogy of what you're going to be like. Okay. Sucks. (laughs) It sucks. And it's hot, 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 hot. Yep. All right. Um, all right, this version we are going to talk about. Uh, we're going to give our most likely scenarios here today. So one of the best topics, uh, one of our favorite topics, we talked about, Parker and I talked about this off air the other day. Um, what is the most likely scenario for OU's last five games? Is it 5-0, and 4-1, 3-2, 2-3, 1-4? We're going to list them most likely to least likely, and we're going to give our reasons why we believe that. On this podcast, we're going to talk about Anthony Evans uh, and his visit to Georgia. Should OU fans worry? Uh, I talked to Anthony. I'm the lone person that he reached out to, and we'll see. Should OU worry? If you're on OU Insider VIP, you know that answer already because he gave some pretty uh, transparent quotes, if you will. Um we're going to talk about David Hicks. Is the turmoil at AM allowing Oklahoma to get back in that race? Uh, with the five star defensive lineman, we're going to talk about Caden McDonald, four star defensive lineman I'm going to see this week. Uh, he took official visit to Oklahoma Friday or last for the Kansas game. Uh, where does Oklahoma stand? He's announcing on Halloween who's battling Oklahoma all that, and obviously we're going to talk about OU Iowa State on this podcast. So it's chock full of great information for you guys, so we hope you all stick with us. But first, let's talk about the most likely scenarios, Parker. Let's talk about uh, 
how we see the last five games of this season playing out. Do we think Oklahoma's going to go five and zero? Oh? Do we think they're going to go four and one? What about one and four? Like, if you if you were, if I was going to give you all those scenarios, list them most likely to least likely, and tell me why. I would say most likely is four and one, just because I think they fall somewhere along the way, whether that's to Oklahoma State, Baylor, uh, Lubbock on the road at the end of the year. It's not going to be Morgantown. A, not yeah, Morgantown as well. Um. I would say I, I I would say four and one is most likely uh, followed closely by three and two five and zero oh is probably the third most likely scenario. There's a world in which it happens for Oklahoma, but it's going to take some doing. I guess uh, two and three. I can I can see that. I can't really see them going one and four or zero oh and five the rest of the way. I mean, worst case scenario, I think you go two and three down the stretch, but. More likely than that, I think you go four and one, and there's some variance either way that could permit you to go either five and over oh three and two, depending on how things shake out, especially with the injury situation and uh, how much you get out of guys like Billy Bowman and Damon Harmon coming back. Yeah, so I agree with you um, on your list, and I know that's not what the fans wanted to hear. They wanted to hear some debate. I will say this. I think there's a I, I think there's you said there's a world they go five and oh and I agree. I actually think five and oh is is fairly realistic. Um and I know after that three game skid that seems crazy, but I honestly if Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, Oklahoma there's a world in which they they can win or lose any game moving forward just because he's there. Like obviously you could lose and and we we could after the Saturday we could have a completely different tune. Like we could really talk about this like go back and and reengage this topic after the Saturday and go okay. So let's say Oklahoma wins like 45 or 48 to 20 or something like that. At that point in time, we're looking at going, Oh man, there's a really good chance. Oklahoma could go five and Oh, right. Like, because you're going to have more confidence in the defense at that point. Like, Oh, okay. Maybe there's some truth to that fatigue, right? Maybe, maybe there's some like, just cause we haven't seen it, right. We haven't seen it since Kansas and that bye week. I think it was great that Oklahoma won. I do. I think it's great. They won. Because it allowed Oklahoma to have two weeks of positivity instead of, oh, God, they're four straight losses. You know, there's some positivity going into that so that some confidence was able to be built during the bye week. And I think that was something that Venables, he harped upon. He goes, it was a lot of us correcting issues and building confidence of things that needed to be built up on during the bye week so that we could move forward and continue that that win streak. Uh starting this week at Iowa state. And I, Hey, look, I think this scenario, these scenarios, how this team plays Saturday is going to tell us a different story. Like, like you, you said most likely, which one did you say? Four and one is most likely Four and right? one most likely. Okay. And I agree with you and I agree with you there, but if they go out and manhandle Iowa state, I think, Five and zero is very realistic, as long as they stay healthy. As long as Dylan Gabriel is standing upright and can throw, 
this team is going to have a chance. And and as long as that defense starts building confidence in itself, and I know they gave up 42 points against Kansas, but I think people need to go back and actually look at the drive charts. And those three turnovers that the offense, and I know we sit there and like, oh, this offense was amazing against Kansas. It was really good. But those three turnovers were bad. Like those two fumbles, like just a nick of Javante Barnes's elbow on Dylan Gabriel's hand when he was trying to throw. Oops. The ball slipping out when Dylan Gabriel's trying to fake pitch the option and it just slides out of his hands and it gets kicked up the field and Iowa State recovers it. Oops. And then obviously the interception wasn't great. Uh, And all three of those put Oklahoma in a short yardage scenario or short field, basically, where Kansas only had to go, what, 35, 40 yards on every one of those drives. So the odds of you keeping Kansas out of the end zone uh, were fairly slim, no matter how good your defense is. Like most most drives are going to end up 35, 40 yards before they punt or do something with it. Like that's just how, how drives work. And you could have 20 drives of 25, 30 yards, and you're going to end up with, you know, 300-yard game or whatever. And that's usually how that works if you have a good defense. But Kansas scored on those three touchdowns, uh, scored touchdowns on those. You take those turnovers out of it, and Oklahoma probably wins 63 to 20, but that didn't happen. If 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 it's in butts, we're nuts, right? So, um, I think the defense has more confidence than it did because I think they understand that they played way better. They there was a lot of punts by Kansas that game, and I think that's something you've got to look at that third down conversion. They were five for thirteen. They weren't even fifty percent. Anytime you keep a team under fifty percent on third down, you're doing a good job. So, um. I and and I think, like I said, good on good, man, and bad on bad this week. Iowa State's offense is bad. OU's defense is bad. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's offense is good. Iowa State's defense is good. That's what it's going to be this weekend. And if Oklahoma can dominate, and that bad on bad equals good on bad on Oklahoma's side, as far as defense and offense, I think we rehashed this topic on Saturday, and we're looking at. Okay, maybe 5 and 0 is really realistic if they come out and beat Baylor the way we think they're going to. And I that's why I think this game this weekend is so key for Oklahoma's success over the next 5 weeks. It is key. This game I I I think we're no I don't know why people aren't talking about that. Honestly, do you agree with that? Like I think this game is the biggest game of the year for Oklahoma momentum-wise. And it's not because it's the next game. It's because they're coming off a bye week. They're coming off a win, and they have a chance to really set the tone for the rest of the season this Saturday. Well, and it also gives you some confidence that you can go on the road into a tough environment and hold your own. Because to be honest, I don't know if we really know (laughs) what kind of team Oklahoma truly is on the road. Because, yeah, they stomped Nebraska 49-14 to up in Lincoln, but... That's Nebraska, Brandon. That team is uh, the nice. They're not as bad as we. The, they're not as bad as we said they were earlier. I, in the year, I, but... I think they're just as bad as we said they were. The nice way so? to say it is that team is crippled, and uh, you follow that up a couple of weeks later, going down to Fort Worth and getting smoked. 
The next week you go to the Cotton Bowl. I understand that's not a true road game. That's still a game away from your home turf, and you get shut out 49 to nothing. How much of a road warrior mentality is there in that Oklahoma locker room in 2022? I'm not sure we know right. the answer yet. And so this, uh, yeah, this is big for Oklahoma because you look at the two uh, environments, you look at the two venues that they're going to have to play in from here on out after they go up to Jack Trice Stadium. You got to go up to Morgantown. Never easy sailing there. And you got to go out to Lubbock. And as we know, Lubbock just gets weird, Brandon. Lubbock just gets weird. So you got three road games that are probably a bit more of a challenge in practice than they are on yeah. paper. So it's it's going to be very telling when the Sooners head up to Ames uh, amidst the confines of Jack Trice Stadium this Saturday. And that's, I'll be curious to see what their response is, especially out of the gate, because they have struggled to pick up early momentum in football games here in 2022. And that's something that in general – you don't want to be making a habit of, but especially on the road, that's not that's not something that you can do on a regular basis and expect to win. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you on that. I just if they if they somehow go up and win on the road this weekend, and I think this is what their second true road game this year like actual true road game this year. They played a lot at home to start the season, correct? Like they I'm trying to think everywhere. They got the first 3 games at home. Then they or no, they got the first 2, then they went to Nebraska, then they came back home. But yeah, I guess TCU, but TCU wasn't like a true there were a lot of Oklahoma fans in that TCU crowd. So um I think this is I don't know. Would you would you do you consider TCU like I know TCU is really good and like they're one of the top teams in the country. But did you consider that like a cuz at that point in time TCU didn't know they were TCU, right? Like they didn't know they were as good as they were. And there were a lot of there was a lot of crimson in that crowd. Would you agree with that? There's a decent amount of crimson, sure, but but it's not it's not like like when you go to Iowa State, you're not going to be like there's only like 5,000 OU fans there and that's it. Yeah. So I think Nebraska Nebraska was like the big road test and I think they did really well. But there was a lot of Oklahomans in at that Nebraska game too. I was shocked how many Sooners there were at that game spattered out everywhere. We even talked about that walking into the stadium. We're like, golly, there's a lot of crimson here. Um, but I I think the Iowa State defense against Levy's offense is to me, the most intriguing matchup of this game. And I know it's not just because it's good on good. It's because of what Iowa State does defensively and what Oklahoma likes to do offensively. Oklahoma wants to hit you with the big shot, right? They want to get downfield. They want to crush you. They're going to crush you with the run game, and then they're going to play action, and they're going to send Mims and Farouk straight down the hashes, and DG is going to throw that thing up and let them run up underneath it. That's pretty much the gist of that offense and how Iowa state defends. That is kind of the Achilles heel for Oklahoma. Uh, we saw that with, with Riley and they run different systems because the brow system is completely different than uh, Riley's system as far as the spread goes, but they're still a spread. 
They're still they want to take the big shots downfield. That is where it's alike. And Iowa State's defense was always kind of a thorn in Oklahoma's side over the last five, six years. Just and there were times that Oklahoma would get up big at halftime, and then all of a sudden Iowa State's defense would just clamp down. And next thing you know, it's a ball game where Iowa State's coming back and winning. And you just, you, 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 that happened in what, 2017 and 2018, where Oklahoma just was crushing them. And then next thing you know, bam, it, it's done for. So um, could that be Riley's or Mule Shoes? Could that be his way of calling it? I mean, it was always a joke that when he got up big, that he would kind of choke on everything and, and start to get in his own way. Uh, so I think it's going to be intriguing to see if Oklahoma does boom, 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 and they get points up on the board. Does Levy keep the gas full throttled and keep going, unlike what Riley would do, where he would try to get out and get the clock going and all that type of stuff and end up hindering Oklahoma? I think that's super interesting. Do you not agree that this matchup on offense and defense for, for I mean – I just think it's it's a great it, – on paper, it just looks fun to watch to me. Yeah, it, it'll tell us a lot about both units, certainly, because uh, I think this will be one of the stiffest defensive tests that Oklahoma's offense faces all year. And uh, on the contrary, when you look at Iowa State and the units that they've faced as a defense, uh, Oklahoma probably has more octane offensively than anybody they've gone up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Heacock and Levy, man, it's going to be fun. So, by the way, where do you think Kermani McLean goes? Florida. I agree. There's a lot of buzz from Alabama right now a little bit, but I still I agree with you. I think it's Florida all the way. So, let's talk about – um your prediction this weekend like where where do you think how do you think I, I i think i said it i picked oklahoma 38 21 i think it was something like that or 35 21 i can't remember i know i picked them to win by double digits um and i think you said 30 27 30 27 yeah that's that's the score i got i think it's gonna be a a back and forth game early i think oklahoma's gonna Come out strong in the second half, sees the lead, and I think Iowa State scores late to make that score look a little bit closer than it probably actually is. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I have the Sooners in what should be a real intriguing battle of a team with a, a really good defense and a very low-power offense and a team that has a ton of offensive talent and hasn't played especially well defensively. So it's kind of mm. a uh, – it's kind of a matter of who blinks first. And I trust Dylan Gabriel uh, to make a few more plays here and there than Hunter Deckers. And I trust Oklahoma's defense to do just enough to be able to keep them in position uh, to win the game. Now, I this this is interesting, isn't it? When was the last time we got a lefty-on-lefty lefty matchup in Big 12? Yeah. Play? We got Dylan Gabriel on one side, Hunter Deckers on the other. I can't remember the last time you had two left-handed quarterbacks matching up. <clears throat> yeah no that's it i i agree i think 
I think the other thing that's that's going to be fun to watch is how Oklahoma defends uh, Xavier Hutchinson and how they cover him um, because I can't remember an Iowa State game that a star isn't born when playing Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> like they literally they, they they make it into the NFL draft just off the Oklahoma game alone. <laughs> um so Xavier Hutchinson and he's one of the best wide receivers in the Big 12. So um how they defend him is going to be interesting to me. Um and I think it, in that same aspect I think having a healthy secondary would be great. And talk about that segue. Um, Billy Bowman, obviously, he's been practicing. He looks great. Talked to somebody the other day that said, you can tell he's the best defensive player on the team, even if he's not 100%. But I think if you're Oklahoma, and I've been told this by several people, that you would rather hold him out one more week if you can get away with it. If you can get away with it. Now, that's not meaning he's not going to play, which I think he'll play. I don't know how much. And I guess he could start. But I expect Key Lawrence and Broyles to be your starting safeties to start the game. And I think you'll see RSJ, Damon Harmon, and Bowman switch in. And look. The fact that we can now say five guys can play safety and that you're not going to see like a big drop off is good because before Kansas State, you couldn't say that. And Billy Bowman was playing like 150 snaps and just wearing himself out. And now there's confidence that they can throw in RSJ, that they can throw in key or broils or Harmon, and you're not going to see i mean you're going to see a drop off compared to bowman but you're not going to see one that's so bad that big play after big play after big play is going to happen and hey the the thing is is that oklahoma honestly they needed that and they took some bumps to get to that point defensively um now if they could find that uh, at linebacker with some of the youth guys i think that would help that would help this defense out so much if they could find some guys to help out stutzman and aguebu because those guys play almost every if they don't play every snap they play almost every snap every game and by the time the game's over with they are gassed gassed you can tell the difference between first quarter billy bowman or sorry, Danny Stutzman and fourth quarter Danny Stutzman. Because first quarter Danny Stutzman is flying around. He's got fresh legs. Second quarter, still flying around. Third quarter, slowing down a little bit. Fourth quarter, it's like he hits a brick wall sometimes. Have you noticed that too? Just because he's 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 wearing out, man. Yeah, like the dude I, is wearing out. I I don't think he's the only guy on that roster you can say that about either. Mm-mm. Aguebu, you could say that about. I think you could say that about Deshaun White because they don't play Jaron Kanick as much as they should. Um, and this is just our opinion. And so this bye week was great 
to get these guys' legs back from underneath, uh, get their get their legs back underneath them. But if you're not going to sub, you're going to end up three games down the line. You're going to end up in the exact situation that you were before the bye week, Parker. Like, when is there going to be a lesson learned that you need to start playing some of these young guys and getting the secondary does it? The secondary rotates. They're the only position on defense outside of the defensive line that rotates. And but you won't see Cheetah, you won't see the linebackers rotate. And honestly, I sometimes on the defensive line, maybe they rotate too much, in my opinion. Like there's times I'm like, why are you pulling 31 out on third down? <laughs> like, like your best pass rushing defensive tackle, don't pull him out. Like he can go one more snap and pull him out. I mean, if they stop him, great. You get you can go over to the sideline and he can refresh. You can start Jeffrey Johnson out there. Or, uh, Ellison or whoever, or Jordan Kelly, I don't care. But like, why pull, why pull, why pull the one guy on your defensive front on the defensive tackle spot that you know is a surefire, surefire NFL draftee out on third down, passing down? Sometimes I'm just like, I don't get it. Well, <laughs> there are people that get paid a lot more money than you and I to make I know, those decisions, I know. Brandon, and it's. You know, it, it it does become baffling at a certain point, and I maybe we don't see the whole picture. I don't know, but especially when you look at that linebacker group and you look at what Jaron Canick has done this year, and you're trying to rationalize as to why he's not seeing the field more, it just it, it doesn't add up, and yeah. it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that you know what this this just doesn't add up, <clears throat> and I don't know if there's something we're not seeing. Uh, I don't and. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. You look at this roster top to bottom, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and you'd be hard-pressed to say that they wouldn't be better off or at the very least no worse off rotating in some of these younger guys on a much more regular mm -hmm. basis. But you know, I, I do think guys like Robert Spears Jennings have been able to make the most of the opportunities that they've been given. Uh, I think another guy that certainly... Uh, belongs in that category is our Mason Thomas. And uh, I think we're getting about to the point in the year where you're going to have to figure out what your, you don't even necessarily have to figure out the answers because I think there are just some answers you're not going to get in year one, but mm -hmm. I think you're about to the point in the year where you need to start giving opportunities to the guys that have earned those opportunities and right. uh, you can't keep going to the well over and over and over again with guys that have proven that they're going to be liabilities. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily a endemic issue for Oklahoma right now defensively, but there are a few guys you can point to and you can say, okay, they've probably gotten a little bit longer of a leash than they've reasonably warranted by virtue of their play. Right. Yeah, no, I I'm with you. I I'm I'm just uh, and, and Deshaun White, don't get me wrong, like he's played he's played well. Um and I think he's one of the the best players 
on the defense as far as like what he's done production wise this year. But even he looks just worn out. And that's what that's where we get with the Jaron Canick. We're like, when he comes in, all he does is make plays. Like Kansas game, when he came in the fourth quarter, the first thing that happens is that dude comes in and makes a tackle for a loss. And you and I both look at each other in the end zone going, well, number seven's in. Like, there he is, making a play. Guess who's in on this tackle? Guess who's in on that tackle? Guess who was in on that tackle? Seven was everywhere. And at some point, I know BV like is trying to bring him along slow, but you've already wasted his red shirt. You might as well go ahead and play the guy more. And I just, hey, just just some innocent bystanders' opinion. So, um, what what on the recruiting side of things? How do you think this class? Not necessarily ends up, I mean, well, I guess, yeah. How how do you think it ends up? Who do you think they close with? Uh, and, folks, this is just predictions. Like, we're not saying this is going to happen. Just disclaimer. Um, but who do you think they close with? And where do you think they rank when it's all said and done? I think they have a top five class. And mm-hmm. the reason I believe that is – uh. I think they get Peyton Bowen. I think they get to Celia Kana. And I mean, those are the two, those are the two big fish left on the board, unless you really want to loop DJ Hicks into that discussion at this point in time. And we've talked about the fact that the lines of communication are still open there, Brandon, but not necessarily mm-hmm. something that you're getting your hopes up over. Uh, but if you get Bowen, you get Akana, that puts you in a really, really nice spot to be able to finish out with a top five class. I'm just, I'm not sure at this point what ends up happening as far as the picture defensive line because you got Caden McDonald announcing on Monday. Be nice to get mm-hmm. him, but I don't think that's one that you can count on, at least right now. We'll see how the next 48, 72 hours transpire. Um, but I think the, the two guys that I look at right now is the guys that Oklahoma has uh, – greater than 50% odds to land uh, and that could significantly impact this class's bottom line uh, in a meaningful way or Bowen and Akana. So you get those two. I mean, heck at that point, it doesn't really matter who the other safety is. Uh, Maybe it's Ryan Yates. Maybe it's Tyler Scott. Maybe it's somebody like Brandon Hillman or Sidarian Harrison. I don't know, but uh, you get Bowen and Akana, I think you're feeling pretty good about where things stand if you're a Sooner fan with this 2023 class. Yeah, um, I agree with you on Peyton Bowen. Um, I did some talking to um, just the other – you're going down to McKinney tonight, right? Is that what you That's said? That's right, yep. Is McKinney and Guyer playing tonight? Yeah, they play tonight. Dang. I could have flown out of Dallas tomorrow. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I might hit you up on that. I don't know, man. I may maybe schedule. I love going and watching Jackson Arnold play, bro. It's fun. I'm probably stream it, but still, I love it, dude. He's he's fun, man. So fun. Um but I agree. I was talking to uh, I've, I've been down to watch Guyer play four times this year. And 
I've been to the practices four or five times. I think I've been around that program enough that I know all the coaches by first name. <laughs> so, um, and it's like, like when I walk up to the gate, the pass gate, the guy just lets me walk in now. Cause he's like, Oh, Hey, welcome back. Just walk on in. They just check me right off. It's hilarious now. Um, but I agree with Peyton. Like I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, and they basically said, look, man, like he liked Oregon a lot. And I talked to Peyton about this a little bit too. He liked Oregon a lot. Um, but at the same time, it feels like, it feels like it's like he's getting his brother. Like this is what this person said. It's, it feels like he's just getting his brother in front of a bunch of people right now and a bunch of recruits or a bunch of coaches. And and maybe, maybe that's fact. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Like this is just this person's opinion. And at the same token, you have Oklahoma sitting there and he keeps visiting Oklahoma. And we always say, follow the visits, follow the visits, follow the visits. Well, if you look at how many times he's been to an Oklahoma game this year, Kent state, I believe he was there for the opening game of Oklahoma season as well. Um, he was there at K state and he didn't go to the Kansas. So he's been to three Oklahoma games already. Oh, he's there, Texas. He's been to four of the seven OU games this year, and he's coming back for fifth in Bedlam. Maybe even if he doesn't take the Clemson game, he may end up at Oklahoma or may end up at Oklahoma Baylor too, because uh, that Notre Dame Clemson isn't written in stone. I can tell everybody that for a fact. Like he says, he's probably going to still take the visit. And that there's people around him that want him to take the visit and give Notre Dame another look because he's committed there. Uh, he still hasn't decommitted, uh, but there's there's a lot of people around him that feel like that's almost imminent, the decommitment. Uh, but when you talk to Notre Dame people, they feel like, and you talk to people that are around the Notre Dame commits, they feel like he's just leading everybody on and he's going to stay in Irish. Your face says that you're smirking about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, at some point in time, you can't sit there and say, yeah, I, I trust that even though he ends up in Norman every other week. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me, right? His best friend's going to uh, play for OU. His girlfriend is going to play soccer at Oklahoma. Like, what are we talking about, people? Like, what are we doing here? Like, there's other things that are going on behind the scenes that make me believe he's going to OU. And I told you about that, Parker, uh, that little yeah. tidbit. Yeah, we've talked about that. Um, but a, and that tidbit's pretty big, by the way. The fact a, that they're getting girlfriends there. are undefeated. Yeah. B, if he was, if he was going to commit to Notre Dame, if he was going to stay committed in Notre Dame, he would have shut this thing down a long time ago. I'm sorry. That's just, that's how I look at this thing. You don't visit Oklahoma as many times as Peyton Bowen has if you're going to just end up going to Notre Dame at the end of it all. I just don't foresee that happening. 
And mm-hmm. it feels like the writing has been on the wall for quite some time that he was going to end up at either OU or AM. And with AM starting to flounder and a lot of questions uh, surrounding the future of that program starting to swirl, it puts OU in a really, really good spot to be the landing, uh, the destination for Bowen. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when I talk to somebody that knows Peyton really, really, really well, really, really, really well, and no, this isn't Jackson Arnold, people, so don't even start making assumptions. This person said um, he would have been committed to Oklahoma a long time ago if Oklahoma didn't have the no-visit policy because he wants to take his visits. He wants to help his brother out. He wants to do a lot of things because he goes – the kid only gets to do it once. One time. He gets to go through this process one time. Transfer portal, it's not like recruiting people. like So it's not even remotely the same. So you get to do this one time. And so Notre Dame allows him to go take all these unofficial visits. So he's going to go do that. And they may be, honestly, I think the Oregon was an official visit. Like, I will not, I will not believe that he took an unofficial visit to Oregon and is now turning around taking an unofficial visit to Michigan the very next week. Do you know how many thousands and thousands of dollars that would cost his family to do that? Like People need to use common sense here. They're going to publicly put out that it's an unofficial visit because they don't want to ruffle feathers. That's This is me talking. This is my opinion. I don't know this on any fact. This is my opinion. Just reading the tea leaves... And using common sense, this common sense thing goes a long ways. But how do you fly all the way to Eugene, Oregon, right? You're going to fly to Portland, rent a car, drive down, stay in a hotel for two nights because they left on a Friday. So they're Friday, Saturday. They stayed, fly back, leave again on a Friday morning for Detroit, Michigan, Go to Ann Arbor, rent a car, rent a car, go to Ann Arbor, stay two nights in Ann Arbor, take a take your car back, go back. You know how many thousands and thousands of dollars that costs at the end of the day? I can tell you because it's costing us like 1900 bucks just to get down to Atlanta this week. Like, no, it's it was fourteen hundred, excuse me, fourteen hundred bucks. Like, so you add that you think the, the, the family's just dropping three thousand dollars? And that's just for one I'm one guy. They've got a mom, a dad, and a brother to go. Like it's like that's that that's it ends up costing a lot, man. You got food, all that type of stuff, right? Like, are we are we using common sense here, Parker? Don't you think that that one of these visits are an official, at least quietly? Yes, yes, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're on the same page there. So. But he can't do that if he commits to Oklahoma. That's the whole point. It's like, you can't do that. So this person said, had that been the case, I think he would already been committed to Oklahoma and staying committed to Oklahoma, but going and getting his brother out in front of a bunch of people. Uh, so, yeah, I like Oklahoma there. And I like Oklahoma for Tassili still. I'm going to go out and see him here in the next week or two uh, <coughs> in the playoffs. Um if they close out with those two, and let's say they get, I don't know, who would the safety, like who would be the second safety? 
I don't know. Let's just for the sake of the hypothetical, let's say Khalil Barnes. Yeah, that's a good one because he's taken a visit to Oklahoma for Bedlam along with Tyler Scott. Um, and there's one other guy that's taken a, a visit for Bedlam. Sedarian Harrison. Sedarian Harrison. Yep. Um, so you get those three. You get one of those three. We'll just say one of those threes in the class. So now you're up to 25. Um, and we really don't like you and I both feel like Oklahoma's in a good spot for Caden McDonald, but we're not comfortable saying he's going to be in the class yet. I'll know better on that this weekend after I talk to him off the record in person, all that type of stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a better feeling there, but still, if you close out with that class and let's say they, we both feel there's going to be a shocker on national signing day for Oklahoma. Like, Somebody, something, this is like the Clemson way is that they quietly have been working this. this is, and both of you and I feel like it's David Hicks potentially, but that isn't, we're not that, we're not that far down the line to believe that yet. We're, you know what I mean? Like we can't. So, but if it did end up being those three, that puts Oklahoma probably number two with 26 commits. And potentially number two with 27, if they can land Kane McDonald, if you end up with those guys, those five to close out, that is a program changing class. I thought 2022 was on the cusp of being that had they been able to hold on to Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, but they were a program building class. This would be a program defining and changing class would you agree with that yes absolutely and i i think they already have a lot of those key building blocks in place to uh, have this class go down as such anyway but if you push it over the top with bowen hicks akana yeah you like that you'll take that yep you throw khalil barnes in there and you're looking at whoo that is gonna be because it's gonna be hard to pull him away from clemson as it is so um, where the David Hicks stuff? We got to talk about it. Um, we'll talk about Anthony Evans here in just a minute. But the David Hicks stuff. Uh, I talked to his dad yesterday, and I'm not going to dive into a lot of the minutia of that conversation, but. I will say this. The 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 lines of as you said earlier, Parker, the lines of communication are very open. Um, as a matter of fact, he was talking to Coach Bates before I talked to them yesterday. Um I'm working on getting back down there to go see them in person again, just to kind of keep our lines of communication with them open pretty well. I talk to the dad enough. We text all the time still, but uh, the, I just, I think you can't count Bates out. You just can't like if, if Colton Vasek stays in this class, there is, a good chance that they, and it's particularly if Peyton Bowen gets in that class as well with him being really close with Derek LeBlanc 
uh, Colton Vasek, Peyton Bowen, uh, knowing Jackson Arnold fairly well, and Jaquaza Petaway fairly well, that helps out Oklahoma a lot because what what made and everybody wants to go to the NIL. Yeah, maybe NIL. Well, I'm not gonna say maybe. Good chance NIL played a good portion of the David Hicks thing. Okay, like nobody's gonna argue that, right? Nobody argued that. But what also played into that was the comfortability in the locker room at AM. Now, I know that seems weird to say right now with what you see going on. And trust me, the Hicks family's watching. Like they are watching. He's taking a visit to AM this weekend with his friend, best friend and teammate, uh, Damian Sanford, the edge rush linebacker guy, which we also think Oklahoma's starting to recruit a little bit. Uh, and it'll be interesting if they can get in on that with the turmoil that's going on in AM. But if there wasn't that comfortability with AM and him knowing like 40% of that roster really well, he's a sooner. Like NIL be danged, he's a sooner. That roster and the fact that he knows so many people, like I talked to his dad, he goes, he feels so comfortable at AM. He started naming off all these names of guys that he's really close with and they've hung out their whole lives or played Little League together or against each other their whole lives and they're all at AM. That's just like he talked about being at Allen and only having like three or four really close friends at Allen. And that's why they moved back so quickly because he just felt more comfortable in the Houston area than he did at Allen. And and all those things like start to play into that recruitment. Yeah, the relationship with Bates is the best, but you can't fabricate relationships in that locker room. And that goes a long way. Now, culture is another thing they're looking at. And like I said, they're watching. They're watching everything that goes on at AM. They're watching. And if this thing keeps going off the rails, that's where you start to see Oklahoma make even more of a dive, in my opinion. No, you're exactly right. And what would be interesting is you mentioned you mentioned Damian Sanford. There was a time not too long ago where Oklahoma was looking at Alex Kilgore, another one of DJ Hicks's teammates as well. So yep. if you need to pull an extra string or two in order to get the guy back in your class, then so be it, but yeah, it's yeah. going to be, uh, uh, that'll be an intriguing situation down the stretch because there are some things that Oklahoma is going to have to overcome. But then again, man, you just, you got always got the sense that Hicks felt better about Oklahoma than he did about Texas A&M in an overall sense. And obviously, you know, things happen to uh, cause that situation to evolve as it were, but Ah oh, man, what a what a story it would be, right? Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma was able to swing the number one defensive lineman in the nation on or around National Signing Day after essentially getting left at the altar uh, less than three months prior on his commitment date. Oh well, hey, I talked to somebody that knows um, the D line coach at um, Michigan State really well. Like really, really well. Uh, what's his name? Brandon. Um, Brandon Jordan. Brandon Jordan. Yeah, and he 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 trains all the top uh, NFL guys, or used to. He used to train all the top before he became a 
uh, college coach, and he trained David Hicks uh, since he was little because he's a he's from the Houston area, if I remember correctly. And so uh, Brandon Jordan is uh, talking to this person, and this person tells me uh, an hour before the announcement of David Hicks, um, David Hicks is on the phone with Coach Jordan and telling him about Oklahoma and why he chose Oklahoma. He's going to OU because this, this, and this, and this. An hour before. And let me tell you something. That relationship is deep between Hicks and Jordan, and that's what made Michigan State such a player there and why he almost went to Michigan State at one point. They were considered maybe the leader at one point in the recruitment, surprisingly. And it was because of Coach Jordan. So that's the fact that Coach Jordan thought it was Oklahoma, and when they found out he announced to A&M, everybody was shocked. They said at Michigan State, just utterly shocked. Because they were, he was sitting there telling everybody, I'm going to Oklahoma an hour before it happened. That's how fast it flipped. Everybody that says this, this, and this, or, oh, he was going to AM, blah, blah. Like he was throwing people off the night before, telling people because he didn't want it to leak out one way or the other. And all the crystal balls were going to Oklahoma. So he was trying to throw people off with AM. And ironically, it ended up being AM the next day. And he didn't even know that was going to happen the night before he goes to bed thinking, I'm a sooner. Because he just got off the phone with Oklahoma before he went to bed the night before. Yeah, I'm going to Oklahoma. Woke up the next day. I'm going to Oklahoma. 2.45, I'm going to Oklahoma. 3.10, I'm going to A&M. 3.30, I'm going to A&M. That's how fast it switched. So, anyways. uh, Anthony Evans' story leaked out on On3 by Jerry Hamilton that Anthony Evans is taking a visit to Georgia. And uh, to say Oklahoma fans flipped out a little bit is putting it politely, I think. Um, Even Anthony Evans had a few choice words about uh, some of the things fans were saying to him. Um, And don't tweet at recruits. Parker, you want to say that with me? (laughs) Gladly. Don't Don't tweet. tweet. At recruits. There you go. Especially if you're going to be a complete jackass. I think that's putting as nicely as we can put it. Um. <clears throat> anyways, so he calls me yesterday. He he said, man, my phone's blowing up all day. How it originally happened, Parker, was, and you already know this, but I'm just telling the, the people that are listening, is... I just texted him. I said, dude, is this true? Like you're, you're taking a visit to Georgia, uh, an official visit because that's what it was put out as officially. And I text Jerry Hamilton and he said, man, I meant to put unofficial visit. <laughs> and so that got all corrected. And, uh, cause he took an official visit in June. And I think it was right before, after his Oklahoma visit. I can't remember. Uh, but it, it was right around the time he took one to Oklahoma as well. And so, it was before, if I remember correctly, it's before. And so um he he said, uh, no nah, man, I already took my official visit. You know that. And I said, Yeah, I know. I was just checking to see if you're gonna take a visit in general. And he goes, Hey, let me call you. Uh, my phone's been blowing up. 
Uh, so he put everything on uh, do not disturb, but he texted me and said, I'm going to call you at 3.30. Well, they had a bad practice yesterday. So his coach informed everybody around noon that they were going to have a walkthrough of everything they're supposed to do this weekend, the install at 3.30 to 5.30. So they went and did a walkthrough to make sure they got everything right uh, because big game this week for uh, Converse Judson. And so he goes, well, I'm going to call you about 5.20, 5.30. So literally at 5.30 on the dot, my phone rings. And Anthony says, uh, man, my phone's still blowing up. Fans are still coming after me. People are coming after me. It's like a big battle between Georgia and Oklahoma fans and my mentions and all kinds of stuff. He said, it's just crazy. And, but he goes, oh, you fans don't even need to worry though. Like I'm going to be a Sooner. My mom grew up in Georgia. My grandma's having surgery that week. We're going up there to take care of her. My mom's going to stay there while I, my dad and I fly back uh, because I have to go to school and I've got games and practice. But my mom's never been to a Georgia game and she grew up a diehard Georgia fan. And since we're going to be right down the road from Sanford Stadium, I might as well take my mom to the biggest game of the season in Athens. And since she's going to be boomer sooner than the next three or four years, this is something I can do for her. And so, um, yeah, it's more of a mother son deal. Why the dad stays back and takes care. And at the end of the day, he said, I'm all Oklahoma. I talked to coach Venables. The night before, this all leaked. I knew it was going to leak eventually, so I wanted him to know why why I'm doing this and that I am all OU. Don't worry about it. I already called Jackson Arnold and told him as well. Like, this is all taken care of. Uh, so everybody needs to chill out and relax is essentially what he said. So now there's going to be some skepticism from people, right? Like, everybody has this bridesmaid mentality lately you know the colton vasic stuff even though colton vasic is guess what he said the same thing who's still committed to parker the university of oklahoma correct and last visit to the iowa state game he went with who as a guest of who uh arch manning that is correct he didn't go by himself he didn't just take a I'm on a recruit visit. He went as a guest of his friend, Arch Manning. Now, he's good friends with Jackson Arnold, but him and Arch have been friends for a long time. <clears throat> so, again, like, I think everybody needs to chill. And if anything's going to happen with Arch, it's going to happen, or excuse me, uh, Colton Vasek, it's going to happen closer to National Signing Day, in my opinion. Now, will he visit Texas again? Probably, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but he's supposed to be at Oklahoma on November 5th. So, Parker, what's your take on both these situations? As far as Evans and Vosick are concerned, look, I mean, Evan, Evans put everything to rest with the quotes he gave you with the explanation for the situation. And it's understandable, right, with – as far as Vosick is concerned, that's going to be one that OU fans are just going to have to sweat out till signing day. I mean, that's that's what it amounts to at this point. 
Nobody is going to feel secure on either side, the Oklahoma or the Texas side. Nobody's really going to feel 100% confident that Vosick's theirs until he puts pen to paper for somebody. So it's it inevitably a situation that we're going to get asked questions about time and time and time again, over and over and over. But, you know, it's it's one of those deals where just going to have to endure it for another seven, eight weeks uh, until signing day rolls around and we figure out exactly where Colton Vosick's heart really is. So not a lot yeah. that can be added to either of those situations. A uh, lot of, um, I think a lot of worries were alleviated when Evans kind of explained the whole situation and reaffirmed that he's a hundred percent in with Oklahoma. And I, I, I don't think there was ever a glaring sense of doubt that Evans commitment was where the Oklahoma was in danger of losing the commitment from Evans. But uh, it says a lot about the kid that he instantly put came out and put it all the rest. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that anytime you call a reporter that has to do is the same thing that Colton did, like literally called me out of the blue and was like, Hey, uh, I need you to put this out because I'm tired of this uh, crap that's going on on my Twitter feed. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then, uh, like, uh, you saw the text messages Colton sent me last week. I sent them to you. Um, he's not talking to reporters anymore because of the uh, situation that happened with a – I'm not going to name the guy – with a reporter that kind of duped him in to do an interview. Um, uh, and, and that kind of ruined it for a lot of people, including myself, uh, where he was like, um, he texted me like politely texted me and said, Hey, I know you're coming tonight to watch me play, but I'm, I'm not doing interviews. Cause if I do one for you and he goes, don't get me wrong. He said, you're the most respectful reporter that I deal with. Uh, and he saw the text, but he said that and he goes, but I can't do one for you because everybody else is going to want one then. And they're going to be pissed off that I didn't do one for them totally understand that and i get it he's worn out with all the questions he said he just wants to focus on his football season and leave it be well the good news for that is that oklahoma's still talking to him and that he still says he plans on visiting for the baylor game and so until that doesn't happen you kind of like oklahoma's odds to hold on to him at least until national signing day right like and at that point what happens happens like you want the, the, the fallout's going to be bad if he flips one way or the other in his scenario, but what's done is done and can't be undone if he signs with Texas. Right. Or if he signs with Oklahoma, the Texas fans just have to deal with the fact he signed with Texas or Oklahoma and it's over with. So, um, but I, 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 with Anthony Evans, I just don't – I don't know, man. Like, you can't – I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing and he's going to enjoy it, and I think he's going to love Georgia um, anytime you play number one versus number three. But he's going to get to do all that as well when he gets to Oklahoma and plays in the SEC. So, like, this is all going to be something he's going to get to experience in Norman, and he knows that, and it, at least his family is going to be able to go to a game, right? Like, his mom and dad can go to all of his games – if he plays 
in Norman. And that's kind of the big deal there. So, uh, and I trust, I trust what he's saying, but anytime you take an unofficial visit anywhere, the door is at least a little cracked. I think, you know, Oklahoma fans, you, you trust what he's saying because he believes it right now, but will he believe it after the visit is the other question. I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, that's, that's a simple, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Um, Caden McDonald is announcing on October 31st. What's your gauge on it? I mean, I'm going down the seam. I talked to him quite a bit. Uh, I talked to some people yesterday, but what's your gauge on it? Um, and maybe you've heard something I haven't. I don't know. Doesn't feel like you can take anything as gospel at this point in time with that recruitment. No. He's done a very, very good job of keeping his intentions close to the vest. And so I think there's a compelling case for Oklahoma, but I mean, there's a compelling case for Ohio state as well. Clemson and Florida are still there lurking, even though the confidence isn't quite as high in those two programs uh, as of the last few days. So man, I don't, I don't think anybody has a clear indication of what the choice is going to be for McDonald right now. Again, maybe that changes in the next 48, 72 hours. Uh, but uh I think you feel cautiously optimistic if you're Oklahoma, but I, I, I don't know that you necessarily have any cut and dried expectations as to what goes down on Monday. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't think you see a lot of crystal balls flying in one way or the other, because he's played things so close to the vest. And I don't know that I'll, I'll put in a crystal ball. Like even if I know, or he tells me, I won't put a crystal ball in. Like I'm going to stay away from that probably um, one way or the other. Uh, at least that's my intentions at this point. Um, the whole Clemson thing, man. Everybody kind of thought it was Clemson for a long time. But after the Oklahoma visit, I told you what somebody told me that talked to him quite a bit on the visit. And they were like, this is Ohio state and Oklahoma. And I said it on the YouTube live. And I believe, wait, did we podcast? We didn't podcast. It was just, I got podcast with Jackson last week. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But on the YouTube live, I told you, I was like, dude, I think it's Ohio state and Oklahoma and Clemson's like kind of a third, but they're the wild card in this because he was going on his official visit that weekend as well. So he went last weekend to Clemson, but I, I, they were the last team to offer him. Now, granted, they offered him with Bates, right? But Nick Eason, as the D line coach, didn't offer him till was it July that they finally offered him? Or August? Was it June, July, or August? I can't remember. They were the last offer. Okay, but they were the last. Yeah, they were the last offer, and I remember hearing that that kind of upset people around Caden uh, the fact that they felt like Bates and Larry Johnson and all these other staffs were recruiting him really hard but in Michigan and all those schools were but Clemson just kind of came in late and as I was told uh, and I was told this 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 summer that they felt like maybe it was settling 
on him a little bit. I don't know if that's true. I mean, that was just kind of the wording that was put to me by somebody that knows them down there uh, in the Georgia area. Is they felt like maybe Clemson settled a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to go to Clemson at the end of the day because if you love something, you love something, and you can forgive. Like, that's what people do. But the buzz you hear right now seems to be Ohio State, Oklahoma. And Todd Bates is going down there this weekend to see him. I have my plane flights all booked and hotels and car, and I will be there as well. Uh, so we, I will be able to talk to him. A few days before his announcement, I'm going to get him off the record as well and see if I can't get a story written, hopefully. Uh, either way, if, he could, if he's going to Oklahoma, great. If he's not, great. I'll have the quotes. So, But that's kind of the ordeal with him. So we really don't know yet. We feel like Oklahoma's in a good spot. But anytime you're dealing with Ohio State and Larry Johnson with defense alignment, you have to be leery. Yeah, same goes for Clemson. And Nick Eason, those guys recruit at an elite level, just like Todd Bates. So this is this is a battle of the heavyweights, Parker. Literally, they're duking it out. They're going after each other on the recruiting trail. Three of the best D-line coaches in the country taking haymakers at each other, and we're going to see where this thing lands. We'll yeah, see I where mean, it lands. It's a high-profile recruiting battle, and this is this is what the last couple of the months of the cycle are made of, Brandon. You start getting the heavy hitters going full tilt into battle with one another and got an example uh, this coming Monday in the recruitment of Caden McDonald. And then obviously you look at the other guys that Oklahoma's in play for late. It's going to be the same thing with Peyton Bowen. It's going to be the same thing with Cecilia Connor. going to be the same thing with guys like Khalil Barnes. And of course, if DJ Hicks starts to become a possibility again for Oklahoma, it's much the same vibe in that one. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, man, I think that that ought to do it right here. Right. Uh, we pretty much covered the gambit as far as the game, the recruiting, all that type of stuff. Um, Parker, you want to give the YouTube spill? Yeah. So if you're not subscribed to this channel, go <laughs> ahead, hit that button. Uh, we hit 7,000 subscribers on this channel not too long ago, which is outstanding considering that, this channel's only existed for a few months, but we're pushing content out every day for you Sooner fans, uh, whether that's podcasts, live stream Q&As, game previews, press conferences in their entirety, all 22 breakdowns, got it all covered. So if you're a Sooner fan, you want to stay up to date, uh, obviously the first place you want to head is OUinsider.com. More on that in just a second. But uh, a close second is this YouTube channel right here. Yeah, uh, and obviously, if you're you gotta hit that subscribe button down there, hit the like. You know that helps us out substantially. Whatever the content is, what you all like, what y'all dislike, all that type of stuff, and we really appreciate you all watching this uh, podcast via YouTube and obviously listening to it. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, um, any any Android app that you're listening to, whatever podcasting platform that you're listening to us on because we're on pretty much every one of them. Uh, go ahead and hit that like, hit that subscribe button on that podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Uh, it helps us out substantially as far as what we're doing. Um, and we're working on getting advertisers, which will help us with this podcast more, which will make, we'll get more guests. We'll get all kinds of stuff for you guys. 
Uh, we're going to try to start doing some podcasts via remote at uh, restaurants, businesses, all that type of stuff as well. Uh, we're trying to do a lot of different things for you guys to make OU Insider and this channel, uh, whether it's on the, the, the podcasting platform or the YouTube platform, better for you guys. So uh, just give us a like and subscribe on whatever you're doing. Uh, we'd appreciate that a lot. And if you're not a member of OU Insider VIP, uh, it's $1 for the first month, nine ninety five afterwards. Trust me, there is so much information on there right now. Uh, a lot of Anthony Evans stuff that I didn't talk about is on the, on the site. A lot of team stuff that we haven't talked about on here is on the site. Like there is some in-depth team stuff through the bye week and everything that I dropped the other day. Parker has a 2024 big board right now for Oklahoma. Uh, we got a transfer transfer portal defender that is coming in on a visit uh, that Parker broke on November 5th. Who was that? Where did he play? How big a name was he before he came out of high school? All that type of stuff. You guys can check that out on OU Insider because everybody knows OU needs defensive line help. Oh, said it's a defensive lineman. There but, yep. Yeah, but you don't know who it is. And that's kind of a big deal. You need to go check it out. Parker has that for you. Uh, and where Oklahoma stands with said player. So, uh, go check that out on OU Insider VIP. I got my chat dropping uh, today, Thursday, uh, VIP chat. Ask your questions. I answer them. Um, we have I have more of recruiting information I've got coming up, uh, whether uh, safety recruiting, uh, players to watch. Uh, Oklahoma just offered a 2025 tight end, uh, where Oklahoma stands there, uh, all types of stuff like as far as the 2023 class and where we feel Oklahoma sits with a lot of these players. I have that all coming up over the next few days. Plus we have the Caden McDonald stuff. Parker will be down to see Peyton Bowen, Jackson Arnold, Ryan Yates, uh, Xavier Filosami, and uh, Brian Jackson today uh, as well before going up and checking out all the targets in the Kansas City area on the way to uh, Iowa State games. So, Parker will be covering the Iowa State game for me and Joey as well. I'll be in Atlanta covering it via remote this time, uh, but we still have the post-game podcast for you guys. So if you want all that information, you want the team coverage and the recruiting coverage, you have to be on OU Insider VIP because that's where it's all going to drop. That's where it's happening. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fans are already on there, and we can't thank you guys enough for making us one of the top 24-7 sites that there is there's 250 and we're in the top 10 and that's because of you you guys are amazing 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 we can't thank you we're so blessed uh to be able to do that but it's one dollar for the first month 9.95 afterwards if you want access to all 250 24 7 sites sign up right now 30 percent off 75 dollars gets you one year after 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 that first year you stay with us and re-up you get Paramount Plus. You get a two-for-one deal. You get Paramount Plus on top of that. So you buy Oklahoma Insider after the first year. If you re-up, you get Paramount Plus. So uh, that's a heck of a deal, man. I'm telling everybody it's worth it. Uh, it it's, it's It has so many shows and all that type of stuff. And yeah, I know it's a year from now that you would be able to use it. But still, saving a lot of money. 
you wouldn't have to pay for it on your own. It's like 10, 12, $15 a month or whatever it is right now, if you want Paramount Plus, but you get it for free if you sign up for OU Insider Reup. So that's literally like $230 in value, half off. So anyways, all right, that's going to do it for this version and episode of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. For Parker Thune, my name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed day. We will see you guys for the post-game podcast.